and um, have a lot to tell you. So I'm going to get started here, but I want to begin by uh, reading a passage of Scripture to you from uh, Matthew chapter 9. Um, I've got the mic on, by the way, to record this, so if anybody asks you if it was recorded, the answer is, is yes. Uh, at least we're intending to record it. Intending to record and actually recording can be two different things, but <laughs> TJ's in control back there, so uh, I, I have confidence. I think it'll be good. So, yeah, this should be recorded, <clears throat> but... Um, yeah, this is a passage that, um, that really kind of jumped out to me. It's a very commonly read in connection with missions, so uh, it, it won't be new to you probably, but it, it sure hit home to me when I was in China, the truth of this passage. Uh, Matthew 9, 35 to 38, <clears throat> it says, Jesus went throughout all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom and healing every disease and every affliction. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion for them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. So how many people have been to, to China? Have a handful of people? Um, <clears throat> yeah, here at New Life, uh, we seem to have been blessed with a number of people who have spent time there. I mean, a lot of the crew students ha have been there. Um, so I think the last time I asked that question at the um, missions conference a year ago, I mean, we had 10 or 15 people raise their hands. <clears throat> so if you've been to China, uh, it, you know what it's like, and that is that there are just so many people. Uh, it, it's just, it, you, you can't really understand how many people are there until you actually see it. Photos and pictures don't really do it justice, but there are everywhere. The population of China is 1.4 billion. Um, United States population is what, like 350 million, I, I think? So do the math, that's what, th four times as big, I, I think? Is that right? Four times as many people in China as in the United States. Uh, so something that was, you know, struck me as I'm there just looking out at these masses of people, you know, I mean, you, you can't even really walk down the sidewalk in some cases. You, you have to walk out in the street because there's no room on the sidewalk. And sometimes there's odd, strange things on the sidewalk, too, that you want to avoid. So, um, but um, I just looked out over all these people, and my heart was really struck uh, with this passage and what Jesus says here, that the harvest is plentiful. I just look at all these people who likely have never heard the name of Jesus. Just all these people living these meaningless lives and not knowing about the salvation that is offered to them. And the, the relatively you know, small work of the church there. I mean, that the church is growing, good things are happening, but when you see the immensity of these cities and the numbers of people, it just feels like just a drop in the bucket. And so there is a need for laborers. I mean, throughout the world, of course, and here in the United States, in Muncie and Yorktown, of course. But man, there's a need there in China in a huge way. And it seems like the spirit is, is working there already. I feel like I'm kind of into my presentation. I haven't even prayed. So let me do that. Let's pray and then I'll uh, keep talking. Father, we thank you for a new morning. Your, your mercies indeed are new every morning, and they have been new for us today, Lord. We are alive in your spirit. You have brought us to this place with your people to gather and fellowship and worship. And um, 
we are grateful for your kindness and goodness to us. So, Lord, help me to explain well um, all that you did in and through me, all that you showed me in China, and encourage these people, Father, about the work of your kingdom and the spread of your gospel throughout the world, and prepare us to worship you later this morning in spirit and in truth. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. <coughs> so, um, you know, the church is really growing in China, and this is one of the reasons why I've taken such a, a great interest in it. There are some people who say there are more Christians in China than there are members of the Communist Party. Uh, so here in the West, as we see the church kind of dying uh, in China, uh, that's not the issue. You know, in, in the West, you've got a, a lot of negative experiences with the church, and so a lot of people are kind of disillusioned with the church. Uh, but in China, it's a, it's a very pre-Christian culture, and so the people are very, very open to hearing the gospel. Um, and so there are some cities in China where uh, it's estimated that the number of Christians in the city is as high as about 10% of the population, which maybe seems low, but I mean, that's about what it is here in, in Muncie. Statistics would say about 10% of people in Delaware County are in church every Sunday. But the church is growing there, and of course, I'm telling you about the immensity, the, the numbers of people there, and, and of course, the, the economy is, is growing or has been growing. I think some people say it's starting to stall, but you, know, you get the impression of being in China, and, and you, you, maybe you kind of have this idea that it's this super backwards, primitive place you know, where everybody's walking up and down dirt roads and that kind of thing. And it is just not that way. <laughs> it is a very advanced economy. I mean, there's a lot of parts of the city. I felt like I was at Keystone at the Crossing, you know, really. Just these beautiful stores and people driving BMWs and Bentleys. Um, very well connected. Everybody's on their cell phones there. Everybody. Um, so, <clears throat> so, you know, putting these things together, the... The growth of the church, the, the number of people in China, the, the growth of the economy, um, all is making people um, anticipate, and who knows what the future holds, but a lot of people are saying that China could end up being the primary center of Christianity in the world, and, and the primary kind of sending nation of missionaries throughout the world could end up coming from China. <clears throat> There's talk about building a rail line from Shanghai, which is on the far east of China, all the way through China, all the way through the Middle East, and all the way over to Europe. One rail line the whole way. And so there's plans to do this. Their rail system is very sophisticated. Uh, but if that happens, you can just imagine, you know, the opportunities that are open there for missionaries in China to, to not only get to Europe, but more importantly, to get to the Middle East. Uh, you know, evangelizing in the Middle East is difficult, right? I mean, Islamic nations and they're militant Islamic nations sometimes, and they have a lot of uh, negative um, impressions of those from the West, Americans in particular. So the gospel will not be heard necessarily so readily from a Westerner in the Middle East, but the Middle Easterns, uh, Easterners might receive the gospel more readily if it came from an Asian, from the Chinese. So, um, a lot of excitement here about what's happening and what the Lord is doing. 
And of course, we can't presume on, on what God is doing. Who knows? Maybe the growth of the church stalls and it begins to grow here again. I mean, you know, who knows? We can't predict what the Holy Spirit will do. But that's kind of one of the things that got me most interested in China to begin with. I went over in 2015 to visit some of our missionaries, our crew missionaries. That was my first uh, exposure to China. That got me interested in um, what our denomination, the PCA, is doing over there. So I went to the PCA website. <laughs> and uh, couldn't find any information, you know, because it's a closed country, so it's very secretive. But managed to get in touch with the right people, and um, they extended an offer for me to come and teach at a seminary there uh, in Chengdu. So I went over in uh, November of 2016, uh, right during the, the presidential elections, actually, was when I was teaching the class. Uh, <clears throat> and. Um, and then they invited me to come back, so I went back here the first week of July, just a few weeks ago, and taught the same class. And uh, uh, just so you know, the, the, the topic of the class was homosexuality in the church. Uh, you know, as if there isn't enough to be kind of tense about in, in going to China. Um, it, it, that's something that they're very interested in there. Um, of course, homosexuality is still very much under the radar, still a very taboo subject in China, but, but it is growing, and Chengdu is kind of the San Francisco of China. There's more um, homosexuals in that city than anywhere else in, in the country. Um, so that was the topic of my class, and you know, I, of course, I, I gave you know, the, the biblical perspective. Um, taught them about what the Bible says about homosexual behavior is um, not acceptable in, in the Christian faith. Made that case, <clears throat> but I, I kind of had to adjust through the class because uh, I had a translator there who was super helpful to me. But what she kind of informed me was, you know, they, they know the biblical case um, that homosexuality is, is not acceptable to God. But their issue really in China is, is a real kind of condescending, self-righteous attitude toward homosexual people. So, you know, they, they, they hold homosexual people in contempt. And, and they can't, you know, hardly imagine, uh, you know, opening their church to people who struggle with that. And so I had to kind of, you know, shift gears a little bit and, and confront them uh, in their, their pride and their self-righteousness. Uh, spend some time in Luke 18, you know, the Pharisee and the tax collector, where the Pharisee is saying, I thank you, Lord, I'm not like this person. You know, I just kind of added to that. He might as well have said, I thank you, Lord, that I'm not homosexual. You know, like, as if that would merit his standing before God or going to heaven. But, you know, the proper attitude, of course, was uh, the tax collector who just said, God be merciful to me, a sinner. And so I think they were getting that, and, and I think the Lord used that to kind of humble them. And so uh, it was, uh, I, I think, as far as I could tell, it was a, a fruitful class. So anyway, Chengdu, <coughs> um, there it is, kind of in the middle of uh, <coughs> the country. Uh, Xi'an, that's where we have some, whoops, I should, probably shouldn't say that. Are there any crew people here? Well, I already let the cat out of the bag, so. Uh, so forget, strike that from the record. Um, yeah, it's interesting how crew and our denomination have different perspectives on the secrecy of the thing. You know, the crew doesn't want to tell you, you know, where, where they are. And, and our, our people are just like, it doesn't matter. Just, just tell them you're from China. And so that's why you'll hear me talk about it a little different than you'll hear crew people talk about it. It's just different strategies, different organizations. 
Um, you know, I can't really comment on what's the wiser approach, but anyway, Chengdu. Um, <clears throat> So here's what I'm gonna do. I'm just gonna go through and just show you the pictures and just allow that to kind of, you know, prompt my, my comments. Um, and, uh, you know, feel free to raise your hands if you have any questions. So, uh, you know, really long ride over there, plane ride. It, you know, it's about between 25 and 30 hours total. Um, the flight from the States to Shanghai or to Beijing is about 14 hours. So, I mean, that, that's the thing that I just dread the most. I mean, when you're in a plane, after seven or eight hours, I mean, you are just ready to jump out the window, you know? I mean, it's just like, I gotta get out of here. Th thankfully, you can stand up and walk up and down the aisles, so, so that helps, but um, I don't sleep well on, on planes, so. <clears throat> so just some pictures of the city. Uh, again, you know, this is just the immensity of the place. You know, I can't even fit all this in the frame of my phone. Um, a lot of outdoor escalators and, um, you know, just looking in, <coughs> looking in one direction that's what you'd see but you know if you just turn and look over there I mean you just see you know more of the same kind of thing and you turn this way and there's just just more enormous buildings structures a lot of these are are business buildings some of them are uh, condos and, and they're always building too so there's always new buildings being erected um, it's kind of strange that the new buildings kind of look like old buildings in, in China. <laughs> you look at something, it seems like it's been up 30 years, and they say, oh, no, they built that just three or four years ago. So the craftsmanship is not always so good there. Um, again, just, you know, here's the people walking out in the street, you know, so <clears throat> very common. You know, this guy's right here in the middle of the intersection. But cars are coming through, so, you know, you, you got to be on your lookout all the time. I mean, when you're walking, I mean, you just <laughs> have to be always watching. Uh, a missionary there I was talking to said, yeah, he said, I tell my kids that when they have a green light to walk across the street, it reduces their chances of being killed by about 40%. <laughs> on, on the green light, on the green light. Um, I mean, I had cars coming within just a couple feet of me. I mean, not going really fast, you know, they're just kind of coming through a crowd, but I mean, I could just put my hand on the, the hood. Uh, and it doesn't really seem that surprising at the time, just because you're in the middle of it, but, um, you know, these scooters are just everywhere too. This is a bicycle here, I think this is a scooter. <clears throat> the scooters don't have motors, they're like electric scooters, so they're silent, you don't know that they're coming. They just kind of zoom, you know, they just zoom right through these crowds of people. We were walking uh, to a place on uh, one evening, it was Sunday evening, <clears throat> and I saw this guy in a scooter driving, and this was like in a pedestrian area, a walkway, and this guy's coming down on his scooter with his cell phone. <laughs> looking at his cell phone while he's driving the scooter. It, it's nighttime, it's dark, he's in a pedestrian area, but he just, you know, just went right past us. He seemed to know we were there and it was okay. <clears throat> um, so here's an example of uh, the uh, <clears throat> kind of the westernized, uh, or how westernized Chengdu has become. This is a Starbucks. So great, you know, nice, big, roomy Starbucks. I, I went there. I, I got there a few days before the class began, and so I had some time to, you know, shore up my notes and get ready to teach, and so I went here. And, uh, I mean, it's just exactly like any Starbucks that you would see uh, in the United States. Um, uh, this is a mall, an indoor mall, but if you'll notice here the numbers, this is the floor, so it goes up to seven. So it's a seven-story mall. <laughs> 
But I'd been walking around the city. This is what I would do in the evening, just walk around, check things out. And I mean, the mall is just, you could just walk right past it. I mean, you just wouldn't even really notice it. That's just how big the city is. That's like the best way I can describe to you how big the city is. You don't really notice a seven-story mall. <laughs> if you took the biggest building out of downtown Indianapolis, the Bank One Tower, and put it in the middle of Chengdu, you wouldn't even see it. It would just be so easily overlooked. Um, <clears throat> so, and here's a, a store in the mall, an NBA store. I mean, this is just as, as clean and fashionable, again, as anything that you would see in the States. They, they love the NBA there uh, in China. And um, so, you know, don't feel you know, too sorry for me, I guess, if you're thinking about me in, in China. There, were, again, were a lot of ways to, to feel at home in a way. But, <clears throat> I mean, at the same time, I, I will say, I kind of struggled with this. I, I just felt really kind of out of sorts there a lot. I just felt kind of just kind of anxious, and uh, I, I don't know if it was a spiritual thing or if it was just because I'm in a different culture. I don't know the language. When I got there, like I said, it was a couple days before my class started, uh, and so I was kind of on my own. So I'm just kind of walk, <laughs> walking down the street looking for places to eat and trying to figure out where to go. And I, I did have some help by, by, well, by a thing called Signal. It's a communication app, and some of the missionaries were helping me there. So um, and sometimes you'll get these weird um, language translation things that always kind of make me laugh. A, a yogurt cattle is what this <laughs> store is called. <laughs> <laughs> with uh, a little cow here. I mean, you know, what they're really thinking, I, I don't really know. You know, obviously they're trying to make this look like a, a Western kind of yogurt shop, but it's called a yogurt cattle. Um, I should have probably tried to get a t-shirt. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I was staying at a Holiday Inn, and, and, I'll, and I'll show you that, yeah, in just a second, yeah. <clears throat> so, um, well, you can't really read that, can you? Um, it says, highly important taste. <laughs> you know, again, I, I, this was like in a museum we were walking through. Highly important taste. I mean, who knows what exactly that's supposed to mean. But um, <clears throat> So it, it, I was mentioning walking down the sidewalk and, and how you kind of have to be be careful, not, not necessarily because it's so dangerous, but I mean, this is a car that's just parked on the sidewalk. So, you know, that's just, that's just the way they do it. Sometimes if the sidewalk is big enough, cars will drive on the sidewalk. So you just always have to be watching out. Then there's just a sense of kind of chaos there a lot, which might account for some of my anxiety, I guess. So, um, <clears throat> so I was telling you about how people are on their phones all the time. And so here's two elderly people, um, and they're both on their phones. They were sitting next to me in the restaurant, and so yeah, I, Snuck a picture of them. I don't think they, they saw me, but um, I was really struck. You know, you get out in the streets and just, just everybody is just walking like this, you know, with their headphones on, staring at their phones. And of course we see that here in the States, but I would say it's, it's more an issue over there. <clears throat> um, <clears throat> and there's Chairman Mao. So they still have him prominently displayed. This is in the center city area of Chengdu. So my class got done on Friday, and on Saturday my translator <clears throat> and a student uh, were just taking me around town. And so I did get to do some sightseeing on, on Saturday. 
and uh, <clears throat> took a picture of, of Mao. And my translator said, and the translator, by the way, is Virginia. Remember, she was here uh, a little while ago, so she translated for me again. But she said, you know, people don't really have uh, an affection or much of a respect for, for Chairman Mao uh, anymore. There's a lot of cynicism about the Communist Party there. Um, you know, there are people who are members of the party, but uh, a lot of times they just do it because it's just the easy way to get a job. It's just a safe, secure way to, to make a living there, be part of the party. But nobody really believes in it or is passionate about communism anymore. And so they still have this statue, but it's more of a relic from the past, really, than anything um, that they're proud of today. <clears throat> so my accommodations. Um, so here's the Holiday Inn. Where, where I stayed, which, you know, again, looks like something that you would see um, right here in, in America. Um, so, very nice place, very comfortable. Um, yeah, I had a Western toilet, which was really great. Uh, <laughs> so they have this thing, I don't know if I should be sharing this in church, but they, they have this thing called a squatty potty in, in China. And basically it's just a hole in the ground. <laughs> and that's where you go to the bathroom. So you got to have strong, strong knees, you know. <laughs> so uh, thankfully, I didn't have to deal with that. But um, you know, they tell you not to drink the water. So I, you know, had bottled water, <clears throat> and um, you know, it, it, yeah, yeah, it was more than a continental breakfast. So I'll, I'll show you that in a second. The, the breakfast bar is just unbelievable. So let me pause here because one of the reasons that I'm showing you all of this is, is you might recall that I, I was um, trying to get a group to, to go with me this time and it didn't work for a lot of reasons. Um, and you know I understand that. And I'll talk more here in a moment about the kind of persecution and the tension over there. But, um, but, but I would like to you to consider, uh, to continue to consider maybe going over there with, with me again. Um, that we, we could possibly go to Chengdu. I know talking to Virginia, who has now moved to Shanghai, she says there are tons of opportunities in Shanghai uh, for us to go over and, and serve. Ch churches who would just die to have us come over are already saying, you know, we can bring you over here once a year. We're ready. Um, so, you know, knowing exactly what we would do, I mean, that's a little bit different. And so this is a cultural thing. You know, like as Americans, we want to know agenda from start to finish. They don't really work that way. <laughs> it's more like, figure it out. So you have to be, you have to be flexible. And they always say absolutely the best advice. Just keep your expectations low. Uh, you just can't be easily irritated or offended. I mean, things are not going to work like you planned. You're going to have to probably walk longer than you thought. People are going to be late. And you just got to be ready. So if you can prepare yourself for that, it makes it easier. But, you know, as you're looking at this, if your heart is, you know, responding a little bit with some interest, then, you know, I would love to hear from you um, about arranging a, a trip next year. <clears throat> so uh, I, I, would, I would like to go back. When I was over there, I wasn't sure that I would say that. But um, yeah. <laughs> that's safe at home. Pardon me? Now that I'm safe at home. Yeah, it, yeah, it, it feels better now. So, uh, But also I would say <clears throat> the, the Lord might be moving in your heart to be a, a, a short-term or maybe even a long-term missionary. Um, you know, again, there's an exciting move of the Spirit. The kingdom is really advancing in this place. I think it's really exciting to consider being a part of that somehow. So yeah, maybe going over for a short-term trip for a, a year or, or maybe even... Being a full-time 
missionary. Um, consider that. We would love as a So, uh, my Holiday Inn. Um, this was the view outside my window. <clears throat> so, um, uh, again, just, you know, huge city. And what you'll see is, you know, pretty, you know, new buildings that are very kind of sophisticated looking, but it, you don't have to look far to see, you can't really tell in the photo very well, but just really dirty, run down buildings as well. And so they just kind of coexist there. Uh, this is uh, the lobby of the hotel. And this is my friend Lawrence, who was, uh, he's a seminary student, and he's the one that came to pick me up um, every morning. So he would just be down there and he would uh, call a, a cab or an Uber and uh, take me to the seminary. And he was very punctual. What's an Uber? Um, Uber is, um, it's kind of it's like a taxi service, but it's people who are just driving their own private cars. And, uh, you know, a little cheaper than, than a taxi cab. So it's a little unsettling, you know, to get into. A, I mean, sometimes I would be put in a car, you know, they'd send me home, and they'd just say, here, get in this car, and they'll take you home. And I'm like, <laughs> okay. <laughs> I can't speak a word, of, can't communicate with this person, and let's just hope he knows where he's going. <clears throat> so they told me to take my, uh, my key card with me, just really good advice, you know, just keep it with you all the time because you can always get a little, you know, slip and the address of the hotel is on it and I can always show somebody this is where I need to go. Um, <clears throat> but uh, Lawrence was, was great. Um, and this is actually the morning I left. You can see it's still dark. We got a pretty, had to meet him at like 5 o'clock, but there he is right on time. But you'll notice he's on his phone too, so <laughs> they're all on their phones. So here's the breakfast bar. <clears throat> That's just one area of the breakfast bar. I mean, across the way on this side, there's another one just like it and then a little uh, alleyway <clears throat> to walk through. So a huge selection of food. You're not, not, not everything looking quite so appetizing. Um, <clears throat> I, I kind of played it safe. They, they had a little fried eggs, so I would get an egg and lots of fruit, uh, cantaloupe and watermelon. So I got to eat that. And um, of course, bread rolls, um, butter and and jelly. Their jelly is really watery. I mean, you can almost pour it out on, on your bun. But, um, <clears throat> and there's just odd things too, like, like with the water. Um, they, they, their water is always warm. They don't like anything cold. They have kind of a fear of coldness. Um, there's even like a, an old kind of wives tale, I guess, is like if a woman sits down on something cold that it will keep her from having children. And so that they won't do that. So their water never has ice in it. Their water is always really in a small little cup. So, I mean, we're so used to having just, you know, just drinking constantly through our meals, but they're not that way. There were a couple of times when I had dinner and it's like nothing to drink. <laughs> so, um, <clears throat> but, um, so I got to eat those things um, that were pretty familiar to me for breakfast. Uh, so, going to the food, I know that's a big question that a lot of people have, what's, what's the food like? And, you know, overall it was fine. Uh, you know, I found that when, when I would recommend something to me, I would have a, a stomach reaction, but actually if it was my own instinct. If I was just walking down the street and just chose a restaurant, it always worked out fine. So, um, I was kind of proud of myself for that, I guess. So, but I know this doesn't look very good, does it? <clears throat> so, this, this is breakfast. Um, so actually, this is just a pile of noodles. That's all that is. Pile of noodles. 
I, I should have told you it was something else. <laughs> it's octopus. It's monkey brains. Just, just noodles. Just noodles. They're kind of just shiny noodles. Uh, but then, you know, hot dogs. I mean, hot dogs for breakfast. Um, so the noodles weren't very good. I mean, they're just very bland as all. Um, lunch. <laughs> more like lunch, yeah. A lot of lunch and dinner food actually there uh, for breakfast. And so I had to, to use the chopsticks and kind of manage to, I think, I think get that under control pretty well. Yeah, not, not bad, not bad. You, you have to adjust, like, because a lot of times they'll serve you like soupy stuff. It's like, how do you drink soup with chopsticks? <laughs> you know? <clears throat> So I just kind of look around. And I just notice that they'll just they'll just put their head right down on the table and just you know just drink it. So you know what would seem rude to us here is no problem there. Um, <clears throat> so this is the restaurant that I found down. It was just one block down, <clears throat> and this is like a staff meeting. I was eating a little late here. It's like two o'clock. And um, th th this is the, uh, I guess this is the manager, the owner, and he just called the whole staff out. And each of them was giving like a little speech. And they'd talk for like a minute or two, and then after they'd get done talking, everybody would clap. And then someone else would talk, and then they'd clap for that person. And uh, I told somebody about it, and they said, yeah, that's probably a way of just kind of like, like little motivational speeches that they're to you know, work hard for the restaurant. But this this woman here was just so sweet, very nice. They, <coughs> excuse me, they they really love Westerners, you know. I mean, they love Americans, and so when I would go into this place, I mean, this there was one time I went in and she just came running out of the kitchen. I mean, running across the the dining room to to welcome me and get me a place to sit. So they were delighted to have me there and. Um, Cheaper, price it, yeah. Price-wise, it's cheaper. It's cheaper there. Yeah. So you know, a, a pretty good-sized lunch with a Coke for like six dollars. But then you go to go to Starbucks, and you know their frappuccino would be more than it would cost me for lunch. <laughs> so Starbucks jacks everything up. <clears throat> um, so really. Uh, that was like a home away from home. I mean, I really have a soft spot in my heart for this restaurant. I mean, they were really kind. I wrote a note to them. I had Virginia translate a note for me, thanking them for their kindness, and took it in to them. And you know, they were they were very grateful for that. So here's just some you know odd-looking food. Um, I, I wanted a, a side order to. I mean, so again, I contacted a missionary, and he wrote this thing back, and I did know what it was. You know, so. <laughs> Set it, uh, showed it to the restaurant, and, and they brought this out. And I was just like, I don't know. <laughs> like, um, so, you know, you got to be brave, I guess. So I just started eating it, and all it is is a salad. So this is like lettuce, and these are little chunks of celery, and it has some kind of a hot sauce on it. And that was all. So it was very good, very easy to eat. Uh, this stuff, not so much. Uh, this is like pig's feet here, and this is like, you know, intestines, pig intestines. And so I was having breakfast with somebody, and he ordered that and was just gobbling it up, you know, and I was just like, 
no thanks. So <clears throat> they're sensitive to that. Everybody was very sensitive. They knew I was an American. They, they didn't spice things up and uh, they didn't force me to eat things I didn't want to. And then of course, you know, <laughs> when you decide you've had enough Chinese food, they got Burger King, they got Subway, they got McDonald's. And about halfway through, I was like, I, I gotta get me a cheeseburger. <laughs> so I ate a Burger King, it tasted almost exactly like it would here. <clears throat> okay, people, um, that's Virginia. On the left, my translator. Uh, again, I, I just can't speak highly enough about Virginia. Uh, again, some of you, I think, met her when she was here a year ago or so, but um, highly educated person. She got a degree from linguistics at Indiana, been for a while, um, a master's degree from Westminster Seminary in Philadelphia, very theologically inclined, uh, and a law degree uh, on top of that. And now she's a missionary in China. She's, I think she's from Hong Kong, um, but she's obviously Chinese, <coughs> so speaks Chinese very well, speaks English very, very well. So I almost kind of felt like I was co-teaching with Virginia, because there were times, you know, I would say something, and then Virginia would say something, and then she would keep saying something, kind of go on, and I was like, I don't think I said all of that. <laughs> and then she'd get into a, like a conversation with the classmates, and they, they'd kind of go back and forth, and so that was kind of a weird experience. I'd have no idea what they're talking about, but but Virginia would tell me, she'd fill me in, and. You know, her ears were always alert to certain cultural, you know, barriers, uh, you know, things that weren't, you know, things that I was saying that they wouldn't necessarily understand because of my own kind of American or Western assumptions. <clears throat> and so this is, uh, that's Lawrence again, <laughs> on his phone again. Um, actually, I think he's calling an Uber, uh, not really playing on his phone there, but actually making a call. So that's Lawrence uh, picking me up at the airport when I first got there. Uh, so this is Jeremiah. He is uh, a missionary there. He uh, was an uh, OPC pastor in Pennsylvania for a number of years and has a very interesting story about how he got called to, to China. So he's been over there with his family for about six months and he's a, a full-time missionary in, in Chengdu. And he was a real blessing to me because he, he just reached out to me a lot, just sending me messages, asking how I was doing. He took me occasions and, and just made me feel really at home. And, and so that was a little lesson, you know, that I learned. This, you know, when you're in a strange place and someone reaches out to you to, to care for you, it, it means a lot. <laughs> and so it kind of made me think of the international students that we have here and, and how much they would really long for that, I, I'm sure. You know, I hear horror stories sometimes like international students come here and they're never invited into an American home. I mean, that's just a real shame. Uh, and so we've had, you know, I minister to people, but Jeremiah was a, a real blessing. I just took a picture of her because she had a Simpsons shirt on. <laughs> So again, Western culture uh, there. I, I noticed, you know, I'm a music guy, so I noticed on three occasions people wearing shirts with uh, American rock bands. And, and the bands that I saw were the Ramones, uh, the Smiths, and the Misfits. <laughs> Misfits are pretty kind of hardcore punk band, which is just interesting because those are kind of more underground alternative groups. You know, I didn't see Britney Spears shirts and that kind of thing. <laughs> Um, but, but there is, again, uh, an interest in Western culture, Western entertainment, Western pop culture. <clears throat> um, so this is, uh, I can't remember his name, but the first morning that I was there, I went down to the, um, 
um, to have breakfast and got to talking to a bunch of people and some of them spoke English pretty well, including this guy. And so I mentioned that I was looking for a place to, to work and I was wondering if there was a Starbucks nearby where I could go do some work. And he said, oh yeah, you know, I know where one is. I'll, I'll take you there. And so he just led me kind of through the city so I could find the Starbucks. And um, while we were walking, he started talking about how he doesn't like Muslim people, he said, just because they, they won't eat pork and, and they're always getting mad at us because we eat pork, he said. And so he was just kind of expressing a frustration about that. And, and so I just took that as kind of an, an opportunity to, to talk about the gospel. So I just said, well, you know, I'm actually here as a Christian and I'm here to teach at a seminary. And uh, asked him if he'd heard the name of Jesus and he said yes. And I said, where do you know that from? And he said, the Bible. And I said, what, what else do you know about the Bible? He said, Adam. I said, yeah, yeah, Adam. That, that was all he knew, Jesus, Adam, Bible. <laughs> um, but, um, you know, I got to tell him that, um, I just very briefly just explained to him the, the grace of the gospel, that, that Jesus had come to, to seek us out and to, to die for us, and he's resurrected from the dead and, and, and lives now and calls people to trust in him. And, and, you know, he didn't really respond, but, you know, who knows uh, how that seed planted, uh, the Spirit might, might use that in his life. But I partly tell you that because um, that there is in Chengdu a certain amount of freedom for, for the church, and, and there's questions about how long that will continue. Again, I'll, I'll talk more about that in a second. Um, <clears throat> so this is, uh, I was asked to lead a worship service on Sunday night for all of the, uh, the expats, that, that is the uh, Westerners or non-Chinese who were there serving as missionaries. And so, you know, of course, very informal, <clears throat> a lot of children, um, but here we are singing some songs. So I planned out a, an order of worship and preached and, and uh, served communion to this group. Uh, so that's Jeremiah, the guy I showed you a moment ago. Here's Virginia, my translator. Uh, a lot of the kids. Um, yeah, he, he's just uh, another, you know, he uh, teaches English in, in a school there. So that was a good experience. Um, <clears throat> So uh, this is Saturday after the class is over, and that's Virginia, and th this is one of my students, and he came to me in the middle of the class and said, I'd like to take you to breakfast, to a Cantonese breakfast. And uh, so that's what we're doing. These are like, you know, all the food is in these little trays. They're like steam, steam trays, and I showed you the pig's feet and the intestines a moment ago. That was from this breakfast. But um, Teddy is a seminary student. He wants to be a pastor. He's single. <clears throat> and um, and he, so he was telling me a story about how he, when he became a Christian, he went home to tell his parents. And he said his mother was so scandalized that she went to bed for like three days, wouldn't get out of bed, wouldn't eat anything for three days. And um, his father treats him like a stranger now, acts like he doesn't even know him. So, you know, there's a very high price to pay uh, for these people when they become Christians, particularly if they come out of a very, you know, committed atheistic communist family. And as they explained it to me, the reason why is because ancestor worship is very common there. Um, so they worship their uh, you know, their relatives who have come before them. But it's not just their, it's not just what people do, it's when the, when the parent looks uh, ahead, when the parent anticipates his or her death, the, the parent 
is counting on their child to worship them because the way the child worships them will contribute to their blessedness in, in eternity. If their child doesn't worship them, then eternity will be one of poverty for them. So their whole you know, eternal existence is tied up in the way their children will treat them. So when a child comes and says, I'm a Christian, what that's communicating to the parents is, I'm not worshiping you. And what that means is, okay, now I've got a, an eternity in poverty. So that partly accounts for these you know, traumatic reactions. Um, so I've been able to, his name is Teddy. Uh, this is an American name, and I've been able to stay in touch with him since I've, since I've been back. So that's been a good thing. Okay, so early rain. This is the church, the main church <clears throat> that is there in um, Chengdu. So that's, that's me standing before um, the, the, uh, the main doors into the church. And so, again, you'll see how prominently displayed th this is. Um, you know, they don't like being called the underground church because it's a little bit misleading. It gives the impression that they're meeting in caves or something like that. And again, that's not the way it is. They, they're, they're, they like to be called the house church. But even that is misleading because this church was not in a house. Um, but, but it was unregistered. It's, it's an illegal church. Technically, it's illegal. So they have a church in China called the Three Self Church. That's the legal church, the registered church. But the pastors at the Three Self Church are limited as to what they can say. There's certain doctrines they can't talk about. But in addition to that, they're basically just government employees. The government tells them what to say every Sunday. Kind of hands them their, I don't know, a manuscript, but at least gives them a topic that they're called to, to preach on. <clears throat> so the underground church or the house church, the unregistered church, you know, they, they won't do that. <laughs> and um, so, so technically this is illegal. Um, you can kind of see it says early, early rain, Presbyterian, I don't know if that says Oh, Chengdu, I think, early rain Chengdu Presbyterian Church or something like that. So, uh -huh. what's the meaning of three self church? Yeah. Um, because I think I'm looking at the Trinity, and is it like a perversion of that? Is it a Christian church or is it just a church? Yeah, it's. TJ? Sorry, just do me a favor. Yeah. When somebody asks a question. Oh, repeat it. Okay. So the question is, what does uh, three self-church mean? Um, <clears throat> no, it's not related to the Trinity as far as I understand. Um, it, it really means, and I can't remember the three words, but it's like self-sustaining, self-governing. The, the real emphasis is on the word self. What they're trying to communicate is that this is... This is our church. This is Chinese church. This is not the Western church. We're, we're not taking orders from anybody else. It, it belongs to us, is really the meaning of three self. Yeah. So, um, <clears throat> th this is the sanctuary. This is where early rain worships uh, every Sunday morning. They were happening to have a conference uh, on the afternoon that I was there. Um, so people are kind of milling in here and getting ready to, to sit down. And so the, the pulpit area is kind of up here. And, uh, you know, they can get about 400 people in there. Um, they, they did have a, a church split, I was told, um, a little while ago. So people have left early rain. And there's another church then of about 400 people in Chengdu. And, and there are others, but those are the two kind of kind of main churches. So this church, early rain, is the one who, who started the, the seminary. 
uh, have started a Christian school, have started a pro-life ministry there in Chengdu. So a very active, highly visible church. So this is me with the pastor of that church. Pastor Wang is his name, and uh, he's a very outspoken guy. Um, so he, he's been arrested multiple times, interrogated multiple times. And um, <clears throat> what, what does interrogated mean? Yeah. Just authorities will come in and just sit him down and say, you know, who are you? What are you doing? Who told you to do this? Who are you connected with? Because the government is very nervous about outside influences. So, you know, they connect Christianity with the West. So in some of, of their minds, the church is like an infiltration of American interests. And so, you know, they're very nervous about that. They want to be their own thing. So got to meet him. I mean, he's kind of semi-famous, really. Uh, he is among the church in China. He is famous. <laughs> he, he's, he's kind of a big deal. Um, so this is um, just a classroom on that same floor where the church meets. So they have like a classical Christian school there. You know, so they're teaching Western philosophy and, and Latin and, and logic and history of the church. And so it's just a little tiny room here, and you'll see there's just four or five children there. <clears throat> okay, um, so this... Um, so uh, there, there was an incident that happened recently, and this was the cause for kind of all the nervousness for, you know, me going over there. It was because on, on May 12, May 12, is the anniversary of a very severe earthquake that took place in Chengdu, uh, where a bunch of buildings collapsed and um, thousands and thousands of people died. I mean, I think it's like 80,000 people died. But the governmental buildings, they didn't collapse. You know, so they were very strong, very firm. And so a lot of the people in Chengdu are scandalized by that. And they're saying, you know, you, you have done shoddy workmanship for the people, but you've made the building strong for your people. And so Early Rain Church has committed themselves every May 12, which is the, the anniversary of that event, to just gathering together outside and praying for the situation. And so this past May 12, they did that. They all got together. And uh, the government authorities knew that they were going to do that, and the authorities told them, don't do that. <laughs> and they did it anyway. <clears throat> and so that resulted in the police. Hundreds of police officers came in and arrested a bunch of the people from, from early rain, uh, took them to jail, kept them there for the entirety of the day. Uh, no, no food or, or water or anything. Um, a, a couple of the people got roughed up a, a little bit, I, I was told. Um, and so when the day was over, they, they were released. Um, so after May 12, then, they put up this sign. So you go up to like the 19th floor and you get off the elevator and that's where the church is. But as you, uh, you know, start walking toward the doors, they have these signs hanging on the walls. And so th this sign they put up. And so I had Virginia <coughs> um, translate it for me. And um, it says... Um, it says, Western China Presbytery of Presbyterian Church in China, on the general understanding of our position of being house churches, 
According to the Book of Church Order of our Presbytery, we uphold the position that the churches shall remain as house churches. We uphold the principle that Christ is the sole head of the church and that the church and the state shall remain separated. Under no circumstances shall we join the three-self or register under the religious bureau or even associate ourselves with them in name. May 17th, 2018. <clears throat> so, I mean, that's just posted right, right, out, right out front. And, uh, you know, regularly police officers will, will be there. I mean, I'm told like every Sunday there's a police officer in the service. Uh, but very often they're, they're, they're kind, so don't get the wrong idea. They're not coming in there with a gun and a grimace on their face. I mean, very often it's just like, this is my duty today. My boss sent me out here, so here I am. And they just kind of sit there through the service and, of course, get to hear the gospel, which they're excited about. Um, but there's just this kind of, I mean, the church is just unafraid. I mean, they're just like, we are not going to do what you ask us to do. <laughs> and, and they're, you know, paying for it a little bit. I mean, there are other churches. Churches that are kind of quiet about it. They, they just don't say anything. They kind of, they're just, you know, they just do their business and don't say anything. And they're left alone. But that Pastor Wang, he just comes out publicly, kind of defies the government. So there's some controversy there. It's like, you know, some people are like, do you really need to be that outspoken? <laughs> you know, do you really need to stir it up like that? Um, but here's this sign, making it very clear where they stand. Yeah? Is that the reason why you said 400 or what? That is connected to it. That's right. Yeah, based on a disagreement about exactly how to deal with the government. How many denominations are represented in China? Hmm. I don't know. I don't know. This is all Presbyterian yeah. church. Uh, I think there's like 30 Presbyterian churches in... There's six presbyteries throughout the nation and about 30 Presbyterian churches throughout those presbyteries. But of course the church is a lot bigger than what the Presbyterian church is doing. So there's a lot of other churches there. Uh, but but I, I don't know. Yeah. So, and then in addition to that, um, I should have passed this out a while ago. They have um, set out um, near the, the entryway to the church, they have, they have this book and um, you'll see it says May 12 at, at the top. And so since May 12, they put this thing together. And um, so this cover here, it says May 12, children born of the cross, prepared so that when the police come, they get to hear the gospel. Reflections of our church members of the faith and the church they are committed to, a collection of testimonies of church members of early reign who got taken away to the police station or were involved in the May 12 incident in some way. So, I mean, you can take a look at that. I mean, it's all in Chinese, but <laughs> there are photos, though. There are pictures. Um, so, you know, they're just seeking to capitalize on this as, as best as they can. Uh, and um, very impressive. So here's a picture of, uh, this was sent to me, actually. So here's a police officer escorting... Um, some of the early rain members to jail, and you notice this guy is <laughs> grinning as he's going to jail. 
So Did they get a free meal then? <laughs> yeah, well, they got no meal at all. No meal at all. So um, the seminary, this is the entrance way to uh, the seminary. There's my class uh, that I taught, so about 13 people. Um, we would have lunch together, um, which was, you know, very large portions, and I was fed very well during lunch. Uh, I would break the people up into small groups, and they would give a little presentation. So here's one of the guys giving a presentation with Virginia there translating. That's another class. That's their library. So very nice library that they've set up. A lot of the materials from the library have been confiscated by, by the police, and they still have that information. Uh, a book table, uh, just like we have here in New Life. They have a book table selling books. <clears throat> um, I preached at a service. Um, a Thursday evening chapel service for the seminary students and faculty and so they were surprised to see my name up there on the screen and Virginia my translator um, this is a guy getting a certificate he just completed part of a degree program uh, at the seminary and that's uh, my class at the end of the class and so uh, uh, yeah really sweet people really great class so um, so that's it. Um, so I, I went till 10:15 here. Are there, are there any quick, quest, quick questions? I know we need to, to close here pretty soon. Pardon me. Did you have to watch what you were teaching? I mean, you know, list of things that you can teach and things that you couldn't. Well, I mean, I I presented to them uh, the idea for the class and then prepared, you know, a syllabus. So, you know, I had the readings and the assignments and what I was going to do each day. But of course, that was being sent to the, 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 the leaders of the seminary. The government had nothing to do with that. So they, they didn't know what was happening. Yeah, John? Yeah, the missionary with the OPC, did he have a cover kind of job or was he actually an official missionary worker and not a yeah, they would never on their visa application indicate that they're going to be a missionary <laughs> or a pastor. So I don't know what he said. Probably a student because he's learning the language. That's his full-time job right now, just learning the language. How big is the seminary there? There's about 180 students. Started in 2011, so it's, it's really relatively new. Yeah, did you have a question, Hope? Well, I would say that you get World Magazine. Yeah. And then what is Virginia doing in Shanghai now? Well, she, uh, you know, she's with a different missionary agency, not with MTW, and uh, she has a contact out there who has just a number of ministry opportunities going on and, and was just kind of recruited to go out there and help. But there's a lot more to say about that. There's a lot of exciting things going on. I, I can tell you privately if you want to know, but yeah, she's got a lot to do out there. But sad for the seminary to lose Virginia. I don't know about going back to teach without Virginia. She's, she was just a lifesaver for me. The class would have been a disaster without her. I mean, obviously I needed a translator, but I mean, it probably would have been a disaster without you know, her in particular because of the way she helped me teach. So, Okay, well, if you have other questions, uh, I'd be happy to talk with you. And again, if I could just impress upon you, think about whether you might want to go ne next year. And if you do, talk to me, and we can begin conversations with them about about working that out. So let me pray. Thank you, Father, for the work of your Holy Spirit and your gospel and your kingdom throughout the world. 
We pray that it would continue in Chengdu, that you would protect your people there from harm, and that the church would grow and flourish as your gospel goes forth. And now, Father, prepare us as we go to worship you. Fill us with your spirit and exalt high your name in our midst today. In Jesus' name, amen.